0: to Literature Done Juicy, a show that explores books in the juiciest way possible. My name's Jade and on this episode we'll be discussing the novel The Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides. This is episode 11 of our first season which focuses on books that epitomise dark fiction. We are following on from episode 10 where we discuss various novels that featured abusive relationships. I hope you're well and let's get into it. So as I said, today we are diving into the virgin suicides. The author apparently got the idea for the book after he visited his brother and started talking to his brother's babysitter. The babysitter told him that she'd actually tried to kill herself and so had all of her sisters. Eugenides was curious and asked her a lot of questions, but she said that she doesn't know why she did it, that she was just going through a rough time. This has then inspired him to write the novel due to curiosity around the subject. The story itself is set in a quiet suburban neighbourhood during the 1970s and revolves around the mysterious Five Lisbon Sisters. And as the title suggests, the sisters are a part of a series of tragic events. We'll go through a little character plot breakdown. Uh, I guess there will be slight spoilers as the ending is already given away by the first chapter and by the title anyway, so just stick with me. So we'll start off with the first of the sisters. She's the youngest and her name is Cecilia. She's 13, bites her nails and wears 1920s wedding gowns for fun and is obsessed with Celtic music. Now, Cecilia has two suicide attempts in the novel and is the catalyst for the other sisters' undoing. Her first attempt is where she slips her wrists in the bathtub. Her first suicide was actually blamed on her aggression due to her repressed libido by people within the story. And this really drives in the fact that the girl's sexuality wasn't really understood by many people, especially in that time period. And then Cecilia's second successful attempt was where she jumped out of a two-story window and then ends up impaling herself on the family home's fence. At the time of her suicide, her first period had also started, which then ties in with the whole coming-of-age theme within the novel. Lux is the second youngest sister and is who Kirsten Dunst plays in the movie adaptation of the novel. She is described by the boys as seductive, slim, and mischievous, even though she's only 14 years old. She smokes and has been since the age of 12, and after the death of her sister Cecilia, she begins having sex with strange men in the middle of the night on the room of their home. The boys and her parents cannot comprehend why she chooses to do so. Her sexual partners describe her as a carnal angel, but they report that she seems bored by sex, picking zits on her partner's back or looking off into the distance, which is quite messed up when, you know, she's 14 and having sex with random men on the roof. Then there's Bonnie who's age 15 and is described as quiet and skittish and after Cecilia's death she frequents the front porch of the home carrying rosary beads and also becomes looking skinnier and skinnier as the house itself starts to decay. Mary, she's 16 and is described as proper and well kept and also as the house decays she maintains her appearance because it's something no matter what she prides herself in. Then the final of the sisters is Therese, who is the oldest of the sisters, and she is 17. She is described as smart and studious, and she frequently attends science conventions and is described as physically awkward compared to her sisters. Now, the sisters have two parents. There's Mr Lisbon, who is a teacher at the girls' school, and Mrs Lisbon, who is a forceful and strict matriarch. Within the relationship, Mrs Lisbon runs the show and reflects more traditionally masculine traits, more so than her husband. Mr. Lisbon is basically dominated by his wife, unable to voice his opinion or demand change, and when the home starts decaying, Mrs. Lisbon appears to emotionally abuse the girls as well as neglect them, forcing them to stay inside the home and even making them miss necessities such as schooling. Now, an important, let's say, character of the group are the narrators, the neighborhood boys. They are an indistinct group comprising of some boys listed in the narrative, but not limited to the boys listed. The Lisbons live in the same suburb as the narrators, and the narrators have always been mesmerized by the Lisbon girls. Looking back from middle age, they are still profoundly impacted by the girls' suicides. Narrating the story is their way of comprehending the actions, motives, and wishes of the Lisbon girls during the last years of their lives. The type of narration in literary terms is known as a first-person collective point of view, and Eugenides stated that the idea for the story came first, not the point of view, but then when he was on a cruise, he came up with the idea to have this collective narrative. Now, the first-person collective point of view in literature is a narrative perspective where the story is told from a we or us point of view, representing a group or community of individuals rather than an individual narrator. This technique allows the readers to experience the story through shared consciousness of the group, giving a sense of collective identity and perspective. Unlike the more common first-person singular perspective, where the narrator uses I to describe their personal experiences, the first-person collective perspective uses we to provide a communal voice. This approach is less common, but can be powerful when employed effectively, which Eugenides does. It's worth also noting that this perspective might not always represent the thought and feelings of every member of the group, but it just reflects the consensus or the shared experience. Collective points of view can be likened to cult mentality. Both concepts involve a group of individuals sharing a particular perspective or belief system, but there are important distinctions between the two. Cult mentality refers to the characteristics and behaviors associated with individuals who are part of a cult or highly controlled group. Cults often exhibit traits such as charismatic leaders, isolation from mainstream society, manipulation, indoctrination, and the suppression of critical thinking. Cult members may exhibit unquestioning loyalty to the leader's ideology, and their sense of identity and beliefs come tightly intertwined with the group's ideology. The unwaveringly devout Catholic mother of the Lisbons effectively maintains discipline among her five daughters, permitting their audience of church and school solely as a reward for good behaviour. Consequently, religion is perceived by the girls as a form of punishment, and ultimately serves as an inadequate source of solace for their grieving parents." A usual key feature in cults is the use of religion, either existing or the creation of their own, to control their followers, much like how Mrs. Lisbon was attempting to control her daughters. One infamous cult, what many of you probably know, and is called the Heaven's Gate. So back in the 70s and 80s, Heaven's Gate emerged as a religious group led by Marshall Applewhite and Body Nettles. They claimed to have insights into extraterrestrial existence and believed Earth was about to be recycled, so yeah, destroyed essentially, in a not so eco-friendly way. This cult believed in transcending human bodies and ascending to a higher plane via a spaceship that they thought was trailing the Harley-Bopp comet. Now, in 1997, their Doomsday Prophecy reached a grim climax, where 39 followers wearing matching uniforms took their lives, hoping to rendezvous with this supposed spacecraft. Uh, now, I've also left the cult's original website in the show notes for anyone who's morbidly curious and kind of wants to go down that rabbit hole. And it's the same website that was up back in the 90s. It hasn't changed at all. The Heaven's Gate cult and the treatment and demise of the Lisbon girls in The Virgin Suicides share certain thematic similarities in terms of control, isolation and tragic outcomes that resulted from their respective environments. While they are distinct situations, the comparison highlights how extreme ideologies and isolation can lead to devastating consequences. So in terms of control and influence, we'll look at Heaven's Gate. Marshall Applewhite held a significant amount of control over the members of his cult. He was very charismatic and the group strongly adhered to his teachings, which also led to the isolation from the outside world and extreme beliefs, such as this idea of leaving the human bodies to board this spacecraft. Now, control and influence in terms of the Lisbon girls, the Lisbon girls were subjected to strict control due to their parents' religious beliefs, which is very similar. They were isolated from their peers and community, leading to their deteriorating mental and emotional well-being, and this was done after something already traumatic happened, which was the death of their sister. An example of religion tied in with the girls' decline was when Cecilia was holding a picture of the Virgin Mary when she had cut her wrists in the bath at her first suicide attempt isolation is another similarity between the two so in terms of isolation with heaven's gate the members of the cult lived in a communal setting which was cut off from mainstream society and it was intended to separate them from the world and worldly influences and to focus solely on our teachings isolation in terms of the lisbon girls they experienced form of isolation as their parents restricted their interactions with their peers and fellow students Their isolation then intensified their feelings of alienation and despair and within the book there was a separation between boys and girls due to a lack of sex ed as well. The outcome negatively in terms of like the boys side was that they had this naivety and wonder around the girls and puberty and the boys actually thought that when the girls hit teenage years that they bled from their breasts that's like what happened when they got their periods. Another common theme is loss of identity, so in terms of Heaven Gate, cult members abandon their individual identities and then refer to themselves as class, then followed by a number. So their strong attachment to these teachings and this shared identity, which is actually very similar to the collective narration of the boys within the Virgin Suicides, contributed to their willingness to engage in the mass suicide that ended the cult essentially. Now in terms of the loss of identity and how it relates to the Lisbon girls they lost their sense of individuality due to their parents' rigid control and then also this pressure to conform to societal expectations at the time and remember this time was the 70s A specific example of this is Lux. So in the beginning, Lux is very vivacious and spirited and she has a very carefree attitude that's in stark contrast to her conservative surrounds. And as the story unfolds, we witness a heartbreaking transformation. uh, And this is due to the strict confines of her parents' control and they strip away her agency and self-expression. The pivotal moment occurs when Lux and a group of boys are caught in a compromising situation, and this incident seals her fate as her parents impose stricter measures to stop her interactions with the opposite sex and actually marks the turning point where her identity, which was once vibrant and full of life, then just starts to wither away and rots like the house, which we will get into soon, the house. So no longer allowed to socialize freely, she loses her connection to her own desires and emotions, and she becomes a symbol of her parents' fear and paranoia rather than the individual which has her own dreams and aspirations. The final theme that the two have in common is tragic outcomes. So obviously in terms of Heaven's Gate, uh, in 1997, the 39 members committed mass suicide as they believed they would be transported to the spacecraft that way. And in terms of the Lisbon girls, tragically after Cecilia's suicide, everything starts to decline and then all five sisters end up suiciding themselves. So both examples highlight how such factors can lead to psychological distress and ultimately tragic outcomes for the individuals involved and how collective thought can become dangerous. Now although that the book is set in the 1970s it was published in 1993 and since then it actually takes a lot to shock people when it comes to violent content. Whether this be in a novel, a new horror movie or a confronting media story. Eugenides himself said in an interview that because The Virgin Suicide was his first ever published book, he knew that he had to choose a title which demanded attention, regardless of if this attention was good or bad. He stated that he couldn't choose an average title, and he gave the example of Red, and he said it needed to stand out amongst the rest. And you can definitely say that it has. Although consumers have become more accustomed to violence, both the words virgin and suicide still stand out to this day. Although suicide is no longer a criminal offence in Australia, the word still has some form of taboo behind it, and this is not because of the people who actually suicide, it's more so because of like the dark, depressing nature of the word. A study which uses the example of Not Another Teen Movie, which is a 2000s comedy which took the piss out of teen movies of that era funnily enough this study found that the taboo words found within the film had several functions and this was expressing desire insulting people expressing pride cursing and disappointment metaphor literal meaning openness and then hatred of expression so the same can be said for using offensive or you know violent words In general, shock value is used to set a piece of art, media, or story apart from the rest. When using shock value, it is still important and necessary to have a decent story intertwined. Eugenides appears to use the shock value of group youth suicide for the following purposes. Capturing attention, emotional impact, character development, and then also addressing societal issues. The novel opens with the shocking revelation of the youngest Lisbon sister's suicide attempt, and this event immediately sets a somber and unsettling tone, capturing the reader's attention and raising questions about the reason behind such a drastic act. It employs shock value to address societal issues by portraying the tragic suicides of the Lisbon sisters as a lens through which it examines broader themes such as the stifling nature of suburban life, repression, gender roles, and the impact of cultural expectations. The shocking suicides challenges the veneer of a seemingly idyllic suburban community, revealing this underlying tension and restrictions that contribute to the sisters' sense of isolation and their despair. The strict religious upbringing posed on the girls, their parents' overprotectiveness, and the community's voyeuristic fascination all highlights the impact of societal norms on individuals' lives. By presenting extreme events, Eugenides prompts readers to question and reflect on the constraints and expectations placed on individuals. One modern movie which uses shock value to address similar themes to The Virgin's Suicide is the movie Hereditary, which was released in 2018 and directed by Ari Aster. It's a psychological horror film that uses shocking and disturbing imagery to explore grief, family dynamics, and inherited trauma, leaving audiences in a state of unease. Both of these works are known for their ability to grab our attention from the very beginning, drawing us into these unsettling worlds. In The Virgin Suicides, the opening revelation of the youngest Lisbon sister immediately sets the tone. Meanwhile, in Hereditary, we're thrown into a heart-wrenching family funeral, immersing us in the raw grief of the Graham family. Both of these jolts are carefully designed to establish the tone and atmosphere of the narratives, and the shock serves as a hook, pulling us into the stories and compelling us to learn more about the characters and situations they find themselves in. Shock Valley isn't just a one-time occurrence, it's a reoccurring motif that drives the narration forward, and the shocking events surrounding the Lisbon sisters peels back the layers of their seemingly idyllic family life, revealing the depth of the repression that they have experienced. Both works use shock as a means to expose the hidden truths and vulnerabilities that exist within these families. On top of shock value, Eugenides uses insects and rot and uses them as this recurring motif that contributes to the overall atmosphere of decay and unease. These symbols are used metaphorically to reflect the deterioration of the Lisbon family and their environment, as well as the gradual decline of the girls' lives. As discussed in the previous episode, decay is usually a motif viewed in the Gothic genre, however it's not, you know, fixed to that genre, and was used in a few of the books we spoke about in episode 10. Eugenie stated another main influence for the novel was his experience growing up in Detroit. He that the city was constantly in this state of decay and it left him in a sense of evanescence. The things are impermanent, just like the Lisbon girls. The novel offers these slightly eerie interruptions and insights into suburban decay. It's like a thought-provoking approach to contemplate how tinkering with the way we create things, versus how society continues to function, can generally disrupt the status quo. The novel itself is also set within Detroit, so that draws this parallel between Eugenides' experience and what the Lisbon sisters experience within the novel. Insects are used to represent the invasive and insidious nature of death and decay. The Lisbon household becomes infested with bugs as the girls' lives are marked by tragedy, and the presence of insects underscores the idea that something sinister is lurking beneath the surface, gradually eating away at the family's stability. Rot, so both literal and metaphorical, is another significant motif. It symbolises the decay of the girls' lives, the disintegration of their family, and the deterioration of their suburban neighbourhood. The family's attempt to maintain an appearance of normalcy and happiness conceals this rot, even though it's eating away at them. And as the narrative progresses, the metaphorical rot becomes increasingly apparent, reflecting emotional and psychological experiences of the characters. Together, both insects and rot create a sense of foreboding and inevitability in the story. They contribute to the haunting atmosphere of the novel and serve as reminders of the fragility of life and underlying darkness that permeates the lives of the Lisbon family. These symbols also tie into the broader themes of the novel, such as the passage of time, the struggles of adolescence, and these mysteries that shroud the girls' lives. One famous novel and movie which shares a similar motif is The Ring, both the original Japanese versions and the western film adaptation. To be honest, the novel was a little bit meh for me simply because of the weird addition of a rapey male character which doesn't feature in the western film. Um, However, the novel, like the version Suicides, includes themes of decaying insects and they're used to evoke a sense of disintegration, morbidity and then the uncanny. Ringu, or the ring, describes the cursed video, and waves that evoke a sense of decay and distortion, and the disturbing and unnatural imagery within the video often involves these decaying or rotting faces, unsettling visuals, and insects crawling on surfaces. These elements contribute to the eerie, unsettling atmosphere that permeates throughout the story, and these visuals are used in the film adaptations, particularly the western one. Characters encounter unsettling scenes such as maggots and rotting old objects which contribute to the overall feeling of dread and it also contribute to the feeling of this supernatural force. The same feeling of dread is also found within Eugenity's novel but obviously it's not due to a supernatural element, it's due to real life events. One real-life event which recently occurred in Nevada is an invasion of Mormon crickets and I've left the link in the show notes. It's described as this biblical plague and it happened in June 2023 where tens of thousands of red cannibal crickets invaded this town in Nevada and apparently they were just everywhere and if you see the photos you'll see like they're just like this blanket of crickets and apparently when you step on them they leave this stench of burning flesh and are impossible to remove once you've crushed them. So go check out the photos. For sure. Now, I can't talk about the novel version Suicides without talking about the film adaptation because I absolutely love it. I'm a definitely a fangirl of that movie. In the novel, the aesthetics are intricately woven through Eugenides' lyrical prose. The storytelling is rich in detail and it actually allows readers to really, really visualise the suburban neighbourhood and the Lisbon household within their own heads. He uses descriptive language and paints this vivid portrait of the girls, their surroundings, and this thick, stifling atmosphere that just engulfs them. And the novel's aesthetics are ethereal, relying on the readers to craft their own mental imagery. Now, fast forward to Sofia Coppola's film, which is the film adaptation of the novel. It's different because it's a visual language, and this visual language really brings the content of the novel to life. She has this signature dreamy cinematography and it infuses into the film with this hazy, nostalgic quality that does transport viewers back to the 1970s setting, but definitely in a more nostalgic way. The pastel colour palette and soft lighting evokes a sense of melancholic beauty, which is also akin to faded memories and old video footage as well. The film's aesthetics are carefully curated, showcasing Lisbon girls' lives through the lens of both innocence and tragedy. Now, while the novel encourages readers to engage their imagination, the film provides a more concrete visual interpretation. The visuals in the film lend a certain atmosphere and it definitely complements the story's themes of loss, nostalgia and this fleeting nature of youth and adolescence. Both the novel and the film offer a distinct way of experiencing the story's aesthetics and each with its own charm and impact and I've got to say that The Virgin Suicides is probably one of my favourite books and the movie itself is also spectacular. While Sofia Coppola's film garnered praise for its unique aesthetics and evocative atmosphere, it wasn't without its share of criticism. So one key point raised by some critics is the betrayal of the Lisbon sisters. Some felt that the film's dreamy and detached visual style, while it was captivating, distanced viewers from truly connecting with the characters and their emotional struggles. The girls' personalities and complexities, which were more deeply explored in the novel, might have felt somewhat overshadowed by the film's artistic choices guess in terms of the collective boys being the narrators which they also are within the film they're not going to know the Lisbon sisters very well they're just going to know from like the slight interactions that they've had with them so one could argue that the film took this approach to complement how the boys actually would describe the Lisbon girls. Another criticism was the pacing and narrative structure. Uh, The director's decision to maintain a steady, melancholic pace throughout the film was celebrated by some, but others found it to be slow and then lacking in dynamic storytelling. The film's focus on ambiance and visuals sometimes led to a perceived lack of character development and emotional engagement, which again, I think matches up with the collective narrative of the boys quite well because they idolise these girls and they find them mysterious and they don't understand them. Like they literally think they bleed from their breasts. They're not very reliable narrators. (laughs) The film's treatment of darker themes, such as depression, suicide and the complex dynamics within the Lisbon family, was also seen by some as skirting the surface without delving into the depth that the original novel presented, and critics argued that the film could have benefited from delving deep into the psychological turmoil of the characters. On Instagram, The Virgin Suicide has found a niche following, particularly among fans of atmospheric and visually captivating cinema. The platform's emphasis on visuals and the aesthetics aligns well with the dreamy and nostalgic look of Sibelius Coppola's adaptation. As a result, you'll stumble upon this plethora of beautiful creative posts showcasing the film's pastel colour palette, soft lighting and enchanting scenes. Film enthusiasts and admirers of Coppola's unique directorial style flocked to Instagram to share their admiration of the film, and captions often include quotes from the movie that resonate with the audience, which capture this melancholic and thought-provoking theme. As in our first ever episode where we discussed the bell jar, we also discussed the hashtag sad girl. So hashtag sad girl trend can sometimes romanticize or glamorize sadness, painting it as a luring or desirable state, reducing it to a trend or aesthetic. And this hashtag commonly uses images or reels of the Virgin Suicide movies or of the novel itself. And this can actually trivialize the seriousness of mental health issues and make it difficult for individuals to seek help. And I think that's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast and throw a rate and review in there. If you want to follow our socials, it's in the description box and they'll have even more refreshing content. The next episode explores various novels which epitomise our obsession with youth, beauty and fame. Stay juicy and I look forward to chatting to you next time. Bye.